0: Good evening, everyone, and welcome to Sean the Baptist Live for this Wednesday in the first week of Lent. And uh, last Wednesday was Ash Wednesday, so we, we weren't with you there. But uh, as we enter this season of Lent, I want to want to be able to talk a little bit about uh, Lent and everything that's going on there. But uh, also, I titled this uh, episode tonight, um, what did I call it? I called it uh, Pandemic Potpourri, so that we can... Uh, Talk about kind of, well, whatever you want to. Uh, it is a, a year year in already. Uh, I remember this time last year we were just getting the word of uh, some of the issues with uh, the pandemic and wondering what that would mean. And probably no one could have foreseen everything that's happened in this past year. But uh, tonight I, I just kind of want to maybe look back a little bit. And uh, one of the great things that I noticed this last week on Ash Wednesday was uh, people seem to be coming back. Now, that, uh, that was a little bit surprising. Uh, Ash Wednesday is always uh, a fairly big day uh, in the Catholic Church, and I will maybe talk a bit about that tonight, uh, because it's, it's pretty amazing to see the number of people that, that do come to Mass on Ash Wednesday. And a lot of people may not realize this, but Ash Wednesday is not actually a holy day of obligation. And even when there is the obligation to attend Mass on Sunday, uh, oftentimes, well, Ash Wednesday, even though it's not a holy day of obligation, people come out all over. This year, there's no obligation, at least here in Kansas City, to attend Mass at all, even on Sunday. And yet, Ash Wednesday was the the biggest attendance day we've seen uh, since the pandemic started. And uh, I was very happy to see that it spilled over to Sunday as well. So this last Sunday uh, was the fullest we've had our, our Sunday Masses as well since the pandemic started. Uh, so that was that was a great blessing um i think uh people are ready to to come out of hiding i suppose uh we've been in our caves long enough and uh the the weather got up to 60 some degrees here a couple days ago and uh everyone is just kind of ready i think and uh what a blessing it is then to think of spring coming and uh people are starting to get vaccines so um yeah i got shot this morning i you know i was observed and everything making sure i didn't bleed out but uh, yeah i got uh finally my my first COVID shot this morning they uh they it's you know it's kind of up to each county health department how they do things and um it's been kind of interesting but anyway they eventually decided that that priests should be uh, a bit of a priority because we're well i would have thought it's because we're going in and out of hospitals and nursing homes a lot but they decided since we do funerals uh, a lot, we should be a priority. And I, that didn't make a whole lot of sense to me. But then someone pointed out, yeah, it's, it's at funerals that um, a lot of COVID is being spread because, uh, you know, people who otherwise are socially distanced think, well, a funeral is too big a deal. We need to make an exception. And they, they come out of hiding and go to the funeral anyway. So for what it's worth, the uh, the priest here in Wyandotte County, Kansas City, where I'm at, uh, are, are finally starting to get their, uh, their shots. So uh, hopefully that uh, that bodes well for for me. Having missed COVID, I kind of thought I had it maybe once. I don't know, but I when I got tested, I didn't they didn't I didn't have it. So I I don't know, but uh, hopefully this means I don't have it. I'm not going to get it, and uh, all will be going well. So that's that's a bit of an update here. All right. Well, uh, as I mentioned tonight, I I do want to kind of see what you want to talk about. So give me a second here. I'm going to try to figure out. Um, let's see where I can find your questions because they don't always show up exactly where I I think they should. And uh, tonight I'm I'm sending this out on on the Sean the Baptist page, but I'm also cross cross posting it to the um, Saint Patrick Facebook page as well. So uh, I will try to make sure that I I see everybody and. And what your comments are, because I, I do tonight want to kind of hear um, how's it going for you. What what things have you done in this this past year? What have you done to kind of get through COVID? What are what are the things that you've you know seen that maybe sure, you, 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 you didn't uh, expect, and uh, things that you've learned? Um, I know uh, just for for me, for instance, one thing I've i certainly uh, picked up on is that uh, I'm I'm really thankful. Uh, more than ever for connection like physical connection with people I mean we've been doing good with with zoom and you know obviously by this time <laughs> zoom has become a household word so who would have thought that uh, a year ago but um yeah the fact that even though I do these these video things um it's just not quite enough a lot of times I, I want more than than just a, a video thing so you know i I thought about that when I was um thinking about how you know Jesus the Incarnation became one of us, became fully human. Well, how important that actually is <laughs> because um to take on our own human body to to become everything that we are except in sin, um, that's that's pretty important actually. Um, that human connection Jesus knew like like I've found out that, I, I want actual, tangible, physical connection. Um, and uh, Jesus knew that we needed that. And so that's why he, he took on flesh and became one of us. So we could, in fact, have an actual connection uh, with him and that he would know us and know what we're made of and what, what it's like to be human. So does Jesus know what it's like <laughs> to to deal with COVID? Uh, yeah, the answer is he, he sure does. Uh, he became one of us in all things but sin, the, the scriptures tell us. Okay, so watching on the St. Patrick's side, I see we got Dan Linder and Joyce Grasco, so good to see both of you and uh, good to have, well, this is a little way we get community, so part of the reason why I, why I do this is to, to have a, a little bit of community, that's how this uh, Sean the Baptist Live started way back a year ago, uh, as we were being told we couldn't go to our churches. Well, we needed some way to connect, and this was my way of making that happen. So welcome to, to everyone who's who's on here. What's uh, been good for you during uh, COVID? Amidst all the, the trouble and difficulty, maybe there's been some good things. What has been good for you? What lessons have you learned? Um, one of the other things that has hit me is uh, in my my boy scouting uh, area. Um, I've been doing a lot of, uh, I tell people, I've been, I've been camping a lot uh, in, in boardrooms Rather than outside. Oh, good. We got Mark Gilstrap on. Good to see you, Mark. Great St. Patrick parishioner. Always good about uh, getting there early so he can get the back pew in true Catholic form. Um, but yeah. So uh, those of you that don't know, uh, I'm a uh, I'm big into Boy Scouting. I've been a scout now for well, gosh, this will be uh, 34 years. Uh, 34 years. So I'm, I'm coming up on a big uh, thirty five anniversary, and um, so. Uh, scouting is outing as we, we say and so I, I haven't been able to get out and camp and hike, but a week ago I went on retreat out to Colorado and uh, if I had to live in one other state other than Kansas, I, I think it would have to be Colorado. I just I love the forest and, and the mountains and the beautiful scenery and uh, you know my retreat director wanted me to go out and, and get hiking around a lot so I, I did that. And uh, boy, I just noticed how much I needed to get out. Uh, I thought I'd been doing a good job as, as best I can here in Kansas, but one thing I've noticed about the pandemic for sure, it's easy just to stay inside and stay cooped up, uh, and I was doing too much of that, because I got out, I breathed fresh Colorado mountain air, and, and got hiking and seeing beautiful things, and it was it was great, so there's something to keep in mind. Um, we, are, we are not... Uh, Getting out probably as much as we need to and so I think this spring will will help everyone as we start to come out of our our hiding and uh, Well come come out of our little ark almost like we've been like Noah in the ark Okay, so some questions coming in here. Uh, Diane Linder. She says that working at the nursing home has been great Gave me great pleasure to find ways to make the residents happy and not feel so alone Thanks. uh, Thanks for that, Diane. Um, Yeah, nursing homes have been a a real hard hit area. And so Diane, working at the nursing home, um, has been able to maintain some of that that contact, I'll tell you. So like my, my grandparents were uh, in the nursing home. And when COVID hit, of course, we we couldn't we couldn't come see them. But um, so my grandma uh, died this summer not not covid related uh she was at the end of uh, her life and um we we couldn't be in to see her and of course her funeral was really small being in the, the middle of covid and uh and then my my grandpa he is still in the nursing home and i i actually got to go see him not in the nursing home but in the hospital because uh, he went into the hospital and the visiting restrictions were a little bit less there so i got to go see my grandpa but boy uh a lot of people who work in the nursing homes saying like how much Uh, connection is important and that uh, that lack of connection that we've seen during COVID when we can't go visit people in the nursing homes and so hopefully as uh, vaccines roll out uh, that will that will make uh, a difference uh, so that that we we can get back into the nursing homes and uh, get to to see our loved ones. Uh, one One of the blessings of being a priest I suppose is that I've been considered essential uh, in a lot of cases to be able to go visit our our homebound and uh, our, our shut-ins and uh, you know they'll make exceptions sometimes for for clergy to be able to do that although in a lot of cases um, even the the clergy were, were sometimes shut out or at least they tried to shut us out and that uh, created some problems but eventually we were were able to to get back in there and and help um, so, we'll, what was your experience of that? Uh, were you able to visit your, your loved ones? Were you able to get into a nursing home? Were you, were you shut out? Um, those are all difficult uh, things to try to figure out. So uh, what was your experience of that? Um, Diane uh, seems like she had a good experience being someone who works in a nursing home. So glad to hear that. Uh, Mark has got a question about the uh, the Queen of the South, uh, which is from our, our readings th- this morning um we'll talk about that in a a minute if if it gets really boring uh we can we can talk about uh, the queen of sheba um you know gets some of that great biblical stuff um other other covet observations um so one thing i can tell you is that uh confessions have been way way down um so we're, we're starting back up the uh wednesday evening lenten confessions and so i had those tonight um i think most places are typically around like six to seven. We've got uh other things going on here in our parish at six thirty, like Father Mark is over giving a talk right now. So uh we're doing um five thirty to six thirty and that way I can get back for the Sean the Baptist live show uh as well. But uh is your parish doing that? You can doing Wednesday confessions. Um I did not have very many uh, tonight, and maybe that's because of uh, COVID. Maybe people are scared, or or maybe we just haven't um, talked about it enough, but uh, one of the great things uh, for Lent is, in fact, to to be able to get to confession. You know, I'm going to hit more on that as we we get into Lent, but, you know, uh, I think a lot of the in-person contact, the one-on-one, face-to-face stuff, but we have really missed that. When it comes to confession, and a lot of people will ask, you know, okay, why do I why do I have to confess my sins to a priest, and why can't I just talk straight to God? Well, of course you you can. I mean, talk straight to God. I do all the time. I mean, if you know you you've sinned and messed up, by by all means, tell God you're sorry right away. Uh, But also, like I said, with that personal contact, Jesus knows that we we need more than just thinking in our head that god loves us or that god forgives us i mean i can think in my head well i I hope my grandparents know that i'm i care about them and and maybe they do but they sure like to see me uh when i come visit uh so jesus knows that we need face-to-face personal interaction so he he left us more than just having to think in our head about am i forgiven he wants to be physically (laughs) present he wants to talk to us so our ears can actually hear it You know i always ask people you know okay you tell god you're sorry do you hear god say anything back and it's true we we can hear in our heads a a voice that we would maybe speak to ourselves kind of and associate that with with god but no i mean like actually hear the voice of god like an actual voice well who who wouldn't want to be face to face with jesus and tell him face to face yeah i I i'm sorry and have jesus say i know i forgive you and have him give you a hug um, you know, that's, that's what we get in the sacrament of, of penance and confession. We, we don't just get to say, oh, I'm sorry. We also get to hear with our own ears, Jesus talk to us. And that, that's really kind of the essence of, of what priesthood is about. Jesus takes me, my body, my physical, who I am, and allows me to be in persona Christi in Latin, in the person of Christ. So that when the priest prays, I absolve you it, it's really not Father Sean that's absolving you it, it's Jesus he, he uses my voice so that your ears your tangible physical bodiliness that you are can can hear God speak to you and you don't have to imagine it uh, and lo and behold when you do that you're more sure that you're forgiven all the time I have uh, people who are Protestants come and like you know I I, I told God I'm sorry but I I kind of I kind of want to hear it. Uh, and yeah, so it's good to be able to have that personal connection. So we're missing that during COVID. And so that does help I'm a theologian. So yeah, COVID reminds me of the incarnation, the fact that we're made for connection and to be face to face, uh, with people and I'm missing that. And so that's why Jesus became one of us. So we could be face to face, you know, reconciliation, that word. I've heard different things on this. Some people say this is true. Some people say this is ridiculous. But uh, cilia is the Latin word for, for hairs, uh, little hair. Uh, and so that the word for eyelash would be cilia as well. So reconcilia, reconciliation would be con is, is, is with, uh, could be interpreted to be, to be eyelash to eyelash again. That's the re part again. Uh, so when you reconcile, you are eyelash to eyelash. In other words, face to face. With with someone that before you you turn your back on they turn your back on you notice we, we use that same kind of language when we alienate someone oh I turn my back on you well to to reconcile then would to be face that person face to face and we we know the beautiful intimacy of of face to face to to look into someone's eyes they say like you know the eyes are like the windows of the soul there is something deeply connective especially for us as humans to look eye to eye now with other animals it's it's not necessarily true normally uh. Uh, if, if other animals like make direct eye contact or stare, they're like, they perceive it as a threat. (laughs) Oh no. Uh, You know, that's why you like, uh, they say sometimes, you know, don't look directly at a, you know, a a bear or something. In my bear training at, at Philmont Scout Ranch all the time, we've, of all the things we learned for bear training, I've never heard, don't look directly at the bear, but there are certain animals like, I don't know, maybe snakes or things like that, or that perceive like direct eye contact as a threat. Um... And, and maybe even human culture sometimes, too. Like, uh, you think like in India, in a caste system, you're not supposed to look directly uh, at someone of a higher caste or, or something. So there's a little bit of that. But for the most part, direct eye contact in the, the human species is intimacy. And so reconciliation uh, means to, to be able to restore that intimacy. So that that's part of what I hope will, will happen here as people are coming back to mass, it, it seems. I hope they come back to confession as well. You know, we, we had um, we had reconciliation this morning with the the school, and uh, you know uh, we realized that it, you know it, it's been a year since we, we we've had uh, school penance services, and um, we got to do a better job of this because the the kids it's probably often been the case that they, they don't go uh, unless we make them <laughs> go uh, during Catholic school time. So I often think that maybe we ought to do first confessions like at saturday at 3 30 that that's our normal uh confession time here um you know we're really good about penance service kind of things so uh during lent uh a lot of times we do penance services in our churches and you know maybe we didn't last year because of covid but i think this year uh we're, we're going to be trying to do some things so have you ever been to confession when it's not been at a penance service do you know how to go into a confessional and go to confession? Now, we, we wouldn't go into confessionals this year because of COVID, but do you even know what time your church offers normal confessions? So here at St. Patrick's, we've got 5.30 on Tuesday and 3.30 on Saturday, and then we're we're adding 5.30 on Wednesdays uh, for, for Lent. So if you're St. Patrick's people listening to that or Kansas City area people, yeah, we're, we're doing face-to-face confessions, you know, not in the confessional. We're, we're standing, you know, six feet apart. Uh, it's safe. But um, we need those moments. And there's something about the intimacy even about just overcoming our, our own shame sometimes about our sin to tell another person, uh, even if that person is, you know, the, the priest and the person of Jesus, to, to name it and and tell somebody else, okay, this is what I did. I'm ashamed well oftentimes what you hear back from God is don't be ashamed uh, we, we tend to beat ourselves ourselves <laughs> up more about our sins than God does sometimes uh, so like I said in my uh, my homily uh, earlier on uh, this this week I, I we shouldn't be our own judge okay <laughs> he who has him himself for a judge is a fool uh, you know we we want to let other people in and sometimes that's gonna mean, uh, it was it was my homily for the, the fifth Sunday of Lent. I think I called it, It Is That Bad. Uh, and I, I talked about Monty Python. So if, if you want a Monty Python homily, go check out two weeks ago. Uh, the title of the homily was, It Is That Bad. Because uh, sometimes, yeah, we, we minimize sin. But other times, and I I actually probably see this more often, people come into confession and they're overemphasizing their sin. We, we sometimes will refer to this as scrupulosity, having a, a scrupulous conscience. Uh, and and people will think they're a way, way bigger sinner than they really are. I was talking to a spiritual director the other day and he was telling me, you know, Sean, I think you just need to back up and just be able to laugh about this a little bit. Uh, don't take yourself so seriously. You'll, you'll get through this. I'm like, oh, okay. How many people think that that's what the priest will tell them? I know a lot of times people like, oh, I can't go to confession. The priest will yell at me or the, the, the priest will, will think bad things about me. Uh, no, uh, Definitely not. Just the fact that, okay, we're, we're there to hear confessions. Like I, I have to admit, I sat in the church tonight from five thirty to six thirty, and I heard about three confessions and that was all the same family. So if I'm going to be there, I'd rather be here in confessions. So come keep me busy. Uh, not, not only is the priest not going to be mad. I'm going to be like, yay, praise God. People are coming. That's awesome. Um, True story here, one of my, my favorite kind of confession story moments, and this isn't about anything I heard in confession because, you know, newsflash, priests are not going to violate what's called the seal of confession. So we, we can't talk or reveal anybody's sins. Uh, so this is not about a uh, confession that I, I heard per se. It's about uh, one time I was in a parish and we were having one of those penance services that evening. And so during the, the homilies at mass, I was supposed to kind of talk it up and, and say, you know, hey, penance service tonight. And uh, I I mentioned in the homily, you know, sometimes people wonder like, well, what if I've been away from confession for a long time and I I can't even remember all my sins? Uh, You know, what is the priest going to think of me with with all these sins from all my past and everything I've done? Uh, And I said, well, here's what's going to happen. If you come in, I can guarantee you that that the most beautiful words a, a priest could ever hear, bless me, Father, for I have sinned, it's been 30 years since my last confession. I said, I, I will probably just be so overjoyed. I won't even let you get out another word. I'm just gonna be like, welcome back, praise God. You, you said yes to the Holy Spirit. It's no coincidence that you're here. You said yes to the Holy Spirit and now you're here. Praise God, welcome back. And what was it that, that made you decide that tonight was the night? And I guarantee you, if you come in and say, bless me, Father, for I've sinned, it's been 30 years since my last confession, you are gonna be welcomed. Well, that's what I said in, in the morning in my homily. That evening, we had the penance service. And I'm I'm in my line, and I won't even say what parish is at or what diocese. Uh, but there I am, and someone comes and says, Blessed be Father for I have sinned. It's It's been 30 years since my last confession. I, I heard your homily this morning, and I decided to come. I just about lost it. I mean, talk about a, a moment of grace, especially I was a younger priest then, so those kind of things are like, oh my gosh, is this is why it's so great to be a priest. Um, I said something that brought someone home to the church after 30 years, oh my gosh. And then it goes, to, of course, in my head, I'm like, yeah, I did that. And I'm like, no, don't think that way. That's sinful. Jesus did that. And anyway, it was a beautiful moment. But then that, that person got done. And a, a true story, the the next person in line Sat down and said, bless me, Father, five cents. It's been 25 years since my last confession. I-, I heard your homily this morning and I decided it was time. <sighs> I'm like, oh my gosh, this is amazing. And I'm like, praise God, welcome back. And this is incredible. Of course, he didn't know that the person before me had just been 30 years. Well, it, it wasn't just those two. It- this This had to be a miracle. It had to be a stroke of God because literally like the next five people in my line, it had been more than 20 years for, for all of them. And they are all like, I heard your homily this morning and I decided to come. I, miracle. I mean, it had to be God showing me just like, look, just a little invitation might be all that's required. So, so do it. So if any of you out there are listening, watching, uh, and you're thinking like, yeah, it's been 30 years since my last confession, should I go back? Yes. Okay. Risk COVID to get back to confession in the next five weeks. Okay. Absolutely. Uh priest will be happy to socially distance, uh, welcome you back. Um, and it, it will be, uh, incredible. So face to face connection. We, we need that. We need that in normal life. We, we, we need that, uh, especially in the spiritual life. And so that's why, why Jesus, uh, allows that, that beautiful contact face to face, um, in, in the sacrament of, of penance or, behind the screen, you know, anonymity, that sort of thing um, uh, on on normal kind of occasions, although we're, we're not really doing that uh, this time. Okay, anybody got any questions out there about uh, anything pandemic related? I mean, if not, I'm gonna talk about the Queen of the South. Mark wanted to know about that. Okay, so quick little tidbit on the, the reading from today, and then, then I'm, I'm gonna talk a little bit more about Lent but just to show that I am responsive to my audience, uh, we have a question about the Queen of the South. I'm going to talk about the Queen of the South. So there you go. So in, and this does tie into light because it's the reading from from Mass today. Uh, it's, um, Jesus is, is talking about uh, the Jewish leaders, like they want a sign of, of Jesus and who he is. At this point, I'm thinking um, he's, he's cured uh, sick people. He's made lame people walk deaf people here and, and you want a sign Like hello you need a sign here it is um but no so jesus is sick of it and uh he says um no sign will be given except the prophet jonah who if you remember he's the one that was swallowed by a big fish because he didn't want to go to nineveh and god swallowed him with the fish and spit him out at nineveh anyway well the, the point of that story is that when Jonah goes through the city of Nineveh saying, hey, unless you repent, God's gonna, God's gonna tear down the city. Well, the people of Nineveh who are not Jewish, they're not even religious, they're they're pagans and they're doing terrible things. Nineveh was a terrible, terrible city uh, and, and Jonah knew it. He wanted God to destroy the city and wipe out his enemies. Well, Jonah comes and says, hey, God's, God's pretty mad at you and he's gonna wipe out your city. And the people actually believed Jonah they're like, oh, maybe we can change. Maybe maybe we can make a difference and, and, and not have this happen. And so they change. And lo and behold, yeah, God relents. Um, and so Jesus says in the gospel today, it's gonna go better for the people of Nineveh because they heard the preaching of Jonah and they repented. And then the other example he uses is that of the the queen of the south or the, the queen of Sheba. Uh, sometimes you'll, you'll, be familiar, like, uh, Handel's got a, a piece, The Arrival of the Queen of Sheba. Um, this is a story from the Old Testament um, where Solomon, that that great wise king, the wisest king ever, you know, because he, he prayed uh, when he was becoming king, you know, God's like, ask whatever you want, I'll give it to you, and he prayed for wisdom. Uh, so, yeah, God gave it to him and said, there will never be anyone wiser than Solomon. Well, the, the Queen of Sheba, the Queen of the South, which probably would be Ethiopia. Okay, so that's, that's pretty far south when you're thinking of the, the ancient world. Uh, you know, don't know a whole lot about South Africa at that time. But uh, yeah, south, that's, you know, that's south of Egypt. So that's way far down. Well, the Queen of Sheba heard how wise Solomon was. And so she said, I, I gotta go see this guy, I wanna talk to him. And so she comes all the way from you know, Ethiopia to Jerusalem to meet Solomon and brings him treasure and tribute and all these things. And again, she's not a, a Jew. She's a, a pagan person who could have easily said, ah, these, these stupid religious people, they're a bunch of nuts. Them and their, no, she says, if this Solomon is, is really as wise as people say, I, I wanna go see him. And so she comes all the way up. And so Jesus refers to this in the gospel today when he says, it's going to be more tolerable um, for the, the people of the the, the South, because at the, the wisdom of Solomon, the queen of the South made this huge journey to see him. And, and Jesus is saying, and here I am right here. I'm right in front of you, and and you're not paying attention to my wisdom. And I'm way wiser than Solomon. In fact, he says there is something greater than Solomon here. Queen of Sheba came just to see a man, a really wise man, in Solomon, maybe the wisest that ever existed, according to God. But Jesus is better. There's something greater than Solomon here. And so, with the uh, the school kids today, I I made the analogy to, you know, what if I what if I told you that um, Patrick Mahomes is coming to St. Patrick's School. Um, you'd be like, oh my gosh, yeah, you're going to bring all your Chiefs gear to school so he can sign it. You're never, you're definitely not going to miss school that day. I mean, even if I said, okay, Patrick Mahomes is is coming to school, but he can only get here at like 6 a.m. or 5.30 a.m. Like he's got practice and he can only, you know, get here real early. You know, no one would have any problem getting up. You'd be like, oh my gosh, if Patrick Mahomes is coming at 5 a.m., I'll get there. In fact, I'll I'll get there at 3 a.m. to wait. Um... I'm like, okay, there is something greater than Patrick Mahomes here. <laughs> Literally, we're about to celebrate mass and, and Jesus is going to be present on the altar uh, in the most blessed sacrament. Uh, Jesus is in our church all the time in the tabernacle and we drive by, we don't care, we don't go, or even we skip Sunday mass, like, ah, it's just mass. There is something greater than Patrick Mahomes here. There is, there is something greater than the Super Bowl here. There is something greater than anything on earth here and just as jesus said there's something greater than jonah there's something greater than solomon it's going to be more tolerable for the tax collectors prostitutes sinners that the people of nineveh the people of sodom and gomorrah that that repented and believed because no matter how bad you are if you turn and repent that's the whole goal in fact it's even more dangerous if you think the ones that you don't need to repent so jesus you know is look the they, they question him, why are you eating with tax collectors and, and sinners? He's like, hey, I, I came to call sinners. The, the, the sick need a physician, not the, those who are well. Uh, so if you want Jesus to be your divine physician, if you want Jesus to be your savior and redeemer, well, then not only is it not bad that you have weaknesses and, and problems, it's required. If you got nothing to be saved from, then you don't need a savior if you're well you don't need a physician so the best thing you could be is sick and in need of help because guess what we've got a divine physician and and one that is willing to heal us so uh i hope that doesn't mark uh, you're referring to that now ada has a question about baptisms during covid so anytime you want to go with that ada I'm, I'm happy to to talk about that um i will say i haven't done a whole lot of baptisms uh during covid um yeah i obviously we're still happening and still doing i mean socially distant and so, thing, but i mean there's nothing that uh, precludes um that so yes we're you know baptism is so necessary for salvation that you know even if we had to put on whatever kind of personal protective equipment we would need to get into the hospital to to baptize someone who needs it at the point of death we're we're going to make that happen we're baptizing little babies uh, so baptism is so so important that the church says ev- you don't even need a priest to do it. In danger of death, anybody can baptize. You know, it's kind of I- important um, to, to realize that that in the case of an emergency, baptism is so important. Anybody can do it. Not even a Christian. Like if 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 I were not baptized, say, and I'm like dying on a desert island and the only person there is a Muslim I could tell them like this is how you baptize me go get water from the ocean pour it three times on my head and say I baptize you in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit um, so all of you uh, the church used to teach that everyone should know how to do an emergency baptism so just to be clear uh, if ever someone is dying like at the point of death and they say, I wanna be baptized, and you're the person there, get water, real water, and you're gonna pour it on their head three times, and you say, you must say these words, I baptize you in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Okay, don't change those words, okay? Priests have changed those words and invalidated the whole sacrament of baptism, okay? One one priest very famously recently, uh was saying we baptize you in the name of the father son vatican said that's not valid in fact one of the people was a priest who was baptized that way and they said sorry you were never baptized they had to go back baptize him he had to receive uh, confirmation and first communion and and then get ordained a or deacon and then ordained a priest uh because some stupid priest decided he would change the formula of baptism so anyway that's how you make an emergency baptism um, I don't know what Ada's question actually was, so feel free to uh, to add that uh, if if you'd like. Okay, uh, Paula Frost notes that uh, after spending three days in ICU fighting this horrible virus, I am so blessed to be alive. I truly believe God was with me, helping me all the way. I learned to never take any minute of my life on this earth for granted. I am truly blessed. Paula, thanks so much for sharing that. What a... What a blessing that is to to read that, and um, yeah, it it uh, it was incredible to to be able to witness some of the things I've seen and stories like that. I remember when when um, the virus was first breaking out, I thought, well, I I mean, yeah, I mean, people may have to go to the hospital, but you know, I mean, it's it's the flu. People will will find a way to you know make it work, right? I mean, doctors, they'll, they'll find the right medicine and they'll fix it and make it better. Right. But then like people started dying and I'm like, Hey, what, what's the deal? And, uh, of course now we, we have a vaccine, uh, that is rolling out, but it really made me in, in my mind anyway, I was really thinking like, all right, if there's something wrong, like seriously wrong medically, the doctors will fix it. Right. I mean, We've got the most advanced medicine in the history of the world. There's no way people are going to die from the flu. I mean, old people die from the flu, the the normal flu. But, I mean, it'll be like that, right? I mean, but not like young people, not, not like healthy people. Doctors will fix it, right? I think I had this kind of invincible kind of thought. Like, if there's anything seriously going to take me out, uh, doctors are going to figure it out. You know, I mean, how hard can it be? And all of a sudden it became pretty clear uh no it, it is actually something that you could die from um so I'm, I'm glad to you know have a vaccine now and how amazing uh is it that i, I was thinking like um, back like with like polio you know it, it took like 10 years to get a vaccine for polio we we got a coronavirus covid 19 vaccine in less than a year that's impressive i mean way to go medical people Way to go researchers. And, you know, I, w- I was reading the other day that it um, was actually a priest who's a doctor who was saying this, that, uh, you know, to, to some extent, may- maybe it is like it took us 10 years to get this vaccine because everyone's kind of worried about, oh, this messenger RNA, mRNA, uh, it's, a, it's a new thing. Is it not tested? And they're like, no, we've, we've been working on this stuff for a decade uh, to be ready for this moment. And no, this technology is, is tried, tested. We, we just, this is the first time that, you know, on a widespread scale, we we needed it for something like this and it's ready to go. I think that's, that's a little bit like, um, you know, forming habits of, of virtue and things like that. So many times the things we're doing that, that build up our, our spiritual life, you know, the the way we learn to talk with God, the way we learn to be friends with God and, and build a habit of contact with God throughout our day. Well, then when we get into a big crisis in our life, which is gonna come, well, you've built this up because you got you got reserves to to lean on. That's kind of like we did with the, this vaccine. We, we were building and building technology that we knew one day we're gonna need it. And then sure enough, COVID-19 comes around and we're like, okay, we've got this messenger RNA stuff we've been working on. Uh, we know how it works. We tweak it to attack this virus and boom, we got it. Um, yeah, I, I know that it's, it's been those habits of preparation maybe where, you know, your relationship with God is good. So you spend time praying and you enjoy it. Well, you need those times when things really go South. And I don't mean the queen of the South. I mean, when things get tough and you're in a crisis and it tries to undermine everything that's been happening in your life. And do I even really believe in God? Uh, when things are going good, you probably think like, oh, I, I'd never doubt my faith in God. I'd, I'd never turn away from God in any serious way. Well, then all of a sudden, the stuff hits the fan and crisis breaks out in your life and there's greater suffering than you ever thought. You didn't plan for this. And I've been there where I'm actually, yeah, I am kind of doubting a little bit like, wow, I don't know. Do I really believe in God? I mean, if, if that could happen to me, a priest who's loved God my whole life, uh yeah that can happen to anyone so prepare you know be like the good researchers who we don't know exactly what we're researching for yet but we'll need it when we need it (laughs) and we needed it and so we have this uh vaccine now so um do that with the spiritual life too do your research uh do do your good prayer life uh so you're you're ready when the the time comes and you really need it uh jj hans says yeah i bet he was mad oh the the priest that found out he was invalidly ordained yeah he was ticked, um, his bishop was ticked. And uh, quite frankly, everyone was upset because you see how much damage a, a priest can do when he's messing with the sacraments. Remember when I, I said that like in confession, it, it's not Father Sean who forgives you, it's 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 Jesus through the priest. Um, worst thing a, a priest could do is like decide that the sacraments are like his to play with uh, and just make it up as he goes and change things. You know, we, we see that often in the mass. Or somehow the, the priest thinks, oh this is my my personal showtime. I'm I'm gonna, you know, make stuff up and yeah, it, sometimes in, in fairness, priests of a certain generation, when when they were in seminary and everything was changing in the Mass in the seventies, the they were kind of actually encouraged to say, you know, oh it's a pastoral thing, change the mass, personalize it. The uh the missile, that's uh that's that's a nice suggestion, but a good priest will tweak it personalize it. So some people are actually taught that way. Uh, fortunately now we we're showing, no, that's not what you do. The opposite don't change, uh, what's in there. But, um, sadly we, we do see it in the mass, but it really comes into play when we're talking validity like baptism or someone changes the words of the institution of the Eucharist. And so bread stays bread instead of becoming Jesus. Um, so, uh, that, that is, uh, a big deal there. Um, Okay, Ada never followed up with her, her question about uh, baptism. I hope that, that gets uh, Paula's great comment about being in the ICU. So glad you're healthy, Paula. Uh, good good to have you back. And um, yeah, my uh, my parents got their uh, first shot. They're over 65, so they're on to that over 65 thing. And uh, now their relatives are healthcare workers, and so they've got them. And uh, so hopefully... Um, I am certainly hopeful that by this summer things will be a little bit back to normal. I mentioned my scouting stuff. So, uh, uh, in the summer, I like to serve as a chaplain with the Boy Scouts. I've been, you know, chaplain at summer camps and uh, uh, Philmont Scout Ranch in New Mexico, Rocky Mountains. I mentioned going to Colorado. The People don't realize like, that the Rocky Mountains go all the way south to Mexico and north into Canada. Um, so, the, the Rocky Mountains in northern New Mexico you know, are a lot like the ones in Colorado a little bit. Uh, Maybe not quite as high down that way, but still uh, mountains. And so that's where I plan to spend all of June uh, in the Rocky Mountains of Northern New Mexico at Philmont Scout Ranch. We canceled it last year. Uh, So I'm looking forward to to getting back to that. So I, you know, missing that uh, and missing a lot of things, it takes a toll. I was realizing that today, just even all like the conferences I go to, you know, like, oh, we, we've got a, a training conference uh, out of town or maybe not even out of town. Maybe it's supposed to be in town. Uh, and you're kind of like, oh, you know, training, whatever. Like, well, just the the way that breaks up your, your schedule and you go see other people and you go to a different place. And I'm I'm really, uh, I'm missing that. And it, it takes a toll after a while. And so I, I, one of the things I've been noticing when I've been meeting with people who are really down, and I'll, I'll say, like, you know, give yourself a break, okay? Okay um y- there's lots of things you don't see that are taking a toll and I, I realized that in my myself just uh you know it's not that you don't even realize it like oh I haven't been to like one of my canon law conferences that I normally I'd go to a couple uh, a year I think I haven't seen some people now in over a year that I'm I'm used to seeing you know like twice a year or even uh, like uh relatives so we'd get together or um or it's not one thing, it's a, it's like death by a thousand cuts sort of thing. When, when if you really had to name all the, the losses that you've suffered because of coronavirus, it looks like a lot more than what you might realize. And so, uh, especially we've been going through winter and we had those below zero days and oh my gosh. Um, it all mounts up. Seasonal affective disorder gets us in a good year, uh, being inside in less light. So praise God for spring. I really hope that, you know, Lent. I said last year's the Lentiest Lent we ever Lented. Um, we're we're coming out of it a bit this Lent. I hope this Easter is like the greatest Easter we've ever Eastered. Uh, that maybe you know coronavirus is going to be, if if not eradicated, uh, we are seriously going to be past the uh, the critical mark by Easter, uh, with vaccines rolling out and everything. And by summer, things will be normal well, we'll see um so that's that's my prayer uh there and i i know everyone's kind of hoping for that um yeah so that's a little bit on the uh the coronavirus front now um i, I said I, I mentioned baptism and so maybe that's a little bit about uh w- we'll talk about this a little bit more um coming up but um you know lent started as a season to prepare for for baptism uh like what what do you mean uh so lent Uh, came about because of those uh, non-Christians who were preparing to be baptized at Easter. Easter from pretty early in the church uh, was a typical time for baptism, baptism on Easter or or Pentecost even. Um, And so they realized that, well, we need a season of preparation. And uh, so the whole idea of a catechumenate, catechumen is someone who's preparing for baptism. Catechumenate would last maybe like three years or so. And then eventually, right before the Easter that you were going to be baptized, you would spend 40 days preparing, like Jesus, to finally get yourself ready for baptism. Well, the already baptized people decided, well, we're going to join in and, and kind of pray along with those people who are preparing for baptism. Uh, and so then the whole church took on a period of penance 40 days before Easter to get ready for Easter. And, uh, you know, at Easter, at least now in the, the modern church, we will renew our baptismal promises to kind of make our own connection with uh, Easter and and baptism. So I, the whole point of, of Lent is to really turn away from sin, be faithful to the gospel. Uh, one of the options for Ash Wednesday there. Uh, do good, avoid evil. Uh, my my little mask that I wear. Um, you know, I, I got this thing. I, I was just at REI, the, the outdoor store, you know, and... Um, if you if you can see it there, it literally says "do good." I mean, that's not a bad message. Um, I wish I had the other side. You know, said like "avoid evil, do good, avoid evil." That's uh, that's really the the essence of the whole Christian life, right there. Um, but that's not easy, and, and we'll we'll spend a, a future episode kind of talking about that. But do good, avoid evil, uh, means well. You got to know what's good and what's evil, and then even when we know what's good and what's evil, we don't always choose the right thing because uh, Satan's pretty good about making evil look attractive, showing us some lesser good that we could choose to sacrifice a greater good. That's how he works. So, do good, avoid evil. We need help. And that's what Lent is about. That's why we, we give things up to help strengthen our will. If I can say no to chocolate for 40 days, maybe I can say then no to gossiping about people. If I gain a little bit of self-control, maybe I can gain control in other areas. That's what we call virtue, building up a a supernatural good habit. So that's a little what that's about. Um, Now people ask about uh, Lent. This is some questions I did uh, get from outside of the live version tonight. So um, what about uh, fasting and, and abstinence, those kind of things? So uh, there, there, are only, there are only two official fast days. We just had one, Ash Wednesday, and the other is Good Friday. Uh, and that's a midnight to midnight fast. And the, the definition of fasting, at least in America, is one meal and then two what are known as collations or small meals such that those two smaller meals or collations do not equal the, the big meal. And it's it's often said like if those are needed, I that hardly sounds like a fast to me. Honestly, I mean one meal with two small meals isn't that a normal day? I I don't know. Um, so I I normally just don't eat on fast days, uh, or you know do like protein shake and water or something. Um, so Ash Wednesday and Good Friday are fast days. We're encouraged, uh, you know. Good Friday ends, but Holy Saturday you know, is is not Easter yet. It's not Easter until the nighttime of Holy Saturday into the morning of Easter Sunday. So we're encouraged to continue that fast, that Paschal fast, as it's called, uh, even then. So Saturday of Holy Saturday is not a, a, a fast day according to canon law, but spiritually, it, it's not Easter yet, so we're encouraged, where possible, to continue that fast. And so fasting binds all those 18 years old to 59. It's a weird thing, you would think like, you know, 60, no, when you get to 59, uh, you don't have to fast anymore. So I don't know, it's been, that's been the rule for a while. I think most people who are 59 are pretty strong enough to continue fasting. So um, as I tell people the, the rules for Lent are are pretty much uh, their minimum. You, you kind of get to decide, okay? Other than fast and abstinence, and abstinence means no meat on all the Fridays of, of Lent and Ash Wednesday, but all the Fridays now of Lent, no meat. Um, but as far as like what you choose to give up, I always tell people, you know, that's that's up to you. That, that's between you and God. And so people were like, well, do Sundays count? All right, so here's here's how we got 40 days of Lent. Uh, we, we start on Ash Wednesday uh, because we don't count the six Sundays. So you got to get the extra Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, uh, Sunday in there. Uh, so... There's the extra days. Uh, So people are like, well, Sundays don't count then. Well, Sunday is never a fast day. So for instance, if you are going to fast every day of Lent, and that was the practice, that whole one meal, that was every day of Lent, not just Wednesday of, Ash Wednesday and Good Friday, but every day of Lent. If you are fasting every day of Lent, then no, Sunday is not a fast day. Eat three normal meals. But... Like, if you are, I don't know, if you're giving up, uh, what, if if you're giving up Netflix for Lent, okay, if if you watch a Netflix show every Sunday, have you really given up Netflix for Lent? I don't know. Now, this is between you and God. So you do what you got to do. If, if you're giving up chocolate for Lent and and you are used to eating like four candy bars a day and just can't, then then maybe you do have chocolate every Sunday. But for most people, if you're giving up candy for Lent, it doesn't make sense to eat candy every Sunday. But who am I to judge? That's up to you. It's between you and God. So you figure it out. Be hard on yourself. Don't give up like Brussels sprouts or or something. You know, that would not be hard for me to give up. You know, I'm going to give up like pickled herring or something for lent no uh not gonna do that um so be hard on yourself but um as i i said in my my homily uh especially this year be careful about being too hard this is where i said like sometimes the priest in confession has to be like i think you're being too hard on yourself um there there's no good in just like inflicting suffering on in ourselves for no point <laughs> Uh, it's to discipline our will. And so maybe we've already had to give up uh, a lot of things. In my homily this last weekend, I talked about how some of the greatest sufferings we endure are actually the ones we don't want and that we don't choose. The suffering that just finds us. And we're like, I don't choose this. I don't want this. Uh, The things we choose for Lent, those are easy because we're never going to test ourselves too much. I've never known anyone to like, have been admitted to the hospital because, oh, they overdid it in their penances for Lent. No, most of us are not going to push ourselves that far. Um, We need like a drill instructor, like a boot camp to push us further than we think we can go. Um, Suffering that we don't choose often does that. Uh, So just enduring what we've had to endure over the last year, mm, there's, there's a lot of suffering already. So maybe look at some good things you can add. Maybe some of your sports got canceled because of COVID. All right, well, add something. Maybe since we don't have to go to practices all the time and spend all of our waking moments getting ready for sports or doing sports or playing sports, well, maybe we have time to read a book. Maybe we have time as a family to pray the rosary or just have a family discussion. What if the whole family was actually at dinner? When I was growing up, like you don't miss the family dinner. Now it's like the family dinner, what's that? Maybe you do that. Maybe one night a week during lunch. You're like, no matter what, we're having dinner as a family together at six o'clock on Wednesday. You know, you got Sean the Baptist live at 630, so it might be a brief dinner. Do it Tuesday. Um, Wow. Think of the things you would have to sacrifice just to say this one night a week, no matter what, the family dinner will come first. You're going to find pretty quickly how hard that is. And and one that is non-negotiable and should be Sunday Mass. I mean, okay, if you live in Kansas City right now, you know, individual health situations, um, you know, certainly take that into consideration. But for the most part, I think we can get back to Mass. Okay, if if you're able to go to the grocery store, go, you know, all these other places, you can go to Mass. Okay, we we miss the church with hypo. Chlorous acid after every mass and and it's not like corrosive or anything. You could drink it, I'm told, but it kills viruses fine. Uh, Social distancing, mass, it's safe. So really no good excuse for skipping mass now, uh, unless you've got real health concerns, then, then, then the obligation doesn't bind anyway. Uh, We, we never have to, you know, do things that will be unhealthy. Okay, uh, Don Pujola uh, from St. Michael's wants to know, what about St. Faustina and suffering? Uh, St. Faustina did suffer uh, a lot. I'm not sure which exact uh, passage Don might be referring to there. So if you want to follow up, Don, that's fine. Uh, But yeah, there there are saints that say suffering is good. Uh, And it is true that the, the thing that will keep us out of heaven is selfishness. And uh, suffering is often a great time to turn away from selfishness. St. Rose of Lima, um, she suffered a lot. And every year we get her reading on her feast day and she says, if we just knew the power of suffering, we would beg God to send us more suffering. And every year I read that and I'm like, no, no, I'm just not holy enough. I, I do not. I do not beg God to send me more suffering. Um, but God's pretty good because I pray, God, give me what I need. And if he knows what I need to get me out of my stupid, selfish funk that I'm in, God may send me suffering. Or I shouldn't say that God sends suffering. God allows suffering. I mean, God doesn't look down. Like in the book of Job is kind of a, a story. God doesn't actually look down and say, you know, um, I think what Father Shaw needs today is some suffering. Boom, and he hits me with, no, God doesn't do that. He loves us, and, and no parent is gonna deliberately punish their kid for no reason. God allows things to bring about a greater good. So Don has followed up, how if we are not suffering now, will we after we die? Ah, okay, so <laughs> there's kind of this idea like, well, either you suffer now or you're gonna suffer after you die in purgatory. Yes and no. Uh, if we if we die with uh, not fully repented sin and and not having fully made up to the, the debt of our sin, then there will be suffering in purgatory to the extent that we need to be purged of that attachment to the sin, to ourselves. So the church teaches that, that by accepting the sufferings that come in this life, we, we do actually make up for, for our sins. And there's a whole doctrine of indulgences, Uh, in which one of the ways to gain a partial indulgence is is just to accept the difficulties of every day and offer them to God. Um, So there is a sense in which if you're suffering in this life, it doesn't have to be for nothing. You know, even if you you don't have any sins to make up for, and quite frankly, most of us do. um, You know, I once had a a, a bishop tell me when I was suffering for something I I didn't actually do. He's like, well, offer it for the sins you did commit. (laughs) Okay, that's That's good advice because there's probably no end uh, to that. But um, suffering does not have to be bad, okay? We can say it's a physical evil, suffering's not good, it comes from the fall, from Adam and Eve, but because of Jesus who entered our suffering, took on our sins and our afflictions, now suffering can be good, it's redeemed. We can offer it for things. And so when I'm suffering, the great thing about suffering as a Christian is I have something I can do with it. I can bring it to mass and offer it. I, I think it would. Be, the only thing worse than suffering is to be suffering and not be a Christian and not know what to do with it. I'm just suffering and there's no point. That would be horrible. <laughs> so uh, I'm glad that I'm Christian and I can offer that suffering. All right. Well, that uh, that's gonna do it for Sean the Baptist live this week. Uh, here's a programming note for the next two weeks. We've got first penance for our school kids here the next two Wednesdays. That's at six thirty. So Sean the Baptist live will actually be live at 5.30, so an hour earlier. If you wanna join live, 5.30 for the next two weeks, and then of course the the video will be out there afterwards. So if you jump on at 6.30, it'll be there. Uh, It just, it won't be live, it'll be recorded at 5.30. So I will be live at 5.30 next week, uh, and and then the following week, the 3rd and the 10th. But uh, as always, the video will be out there, please share it. I will put it on YouTube when we're done here, and you can share it on YouTube for those of your friends who are boycotting Facebook or not on, uh, or you just like to watch it on your, your Roku with your YouTube. It's also a podcast. So if you want to listen in your car, you, you can get just the audio, deliver it as a podcast every week as well. And you can get all that at shawnthebaptist.org. That's S-H-A-W-N, thebaptist.org, uh, where you can uh, find not only my uh my YouTube and podcast, but you can also go to my my Flickr photo sharing page. Um, you you can see my Twitter feed. I don't do a lot of Twitter, but check out all the social stuff there if you're interested. And of course, all the homilies are out there. All right, thanks for joining me tonight on this uh, Sean the Baptist for two for uh, t- the 24th, the 24th of February, Wednesday, the 24th of February, Wednesday in the first week of Lent. We will be back with you next Wednesday at 5.30 as we continue our journey towards baptism, our journey towards Easter. Thanks for joining me tonight and God bless you all. Good night.